a Podcast One production. To, to know your strengths and to be able to articulate them is the secret to having the right balance. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. Today, playing to your strengths, my guest, Sally Collins, Chief Operating Officer, Victorian Funds Management Corporation. It's now almost universally agreed that to achieve high performance, you need to know and play to your strengths. My favourite question is borrowed from Alec Lindley, the renowned positive psychologist, to us, who woke up this morning saying, I want to be really average today. All the studies show that we actually want to be better than average in every aspect of our lives. So how do we move from average to A plus and not focus on our weaknesses? How do we use this productively at work? Today, helping to explore this career challenge is Sally Collins, a longtime client, colleague and good friend. Sally, what is a strength-based approach at work? Having a strength-based approach is really an equation to me, an energy equation. It's about having awareness and really being aligned to your purpose and the things that you're great at to help give you the the right levels of energy and um, allow you to do the things that perhaps are your deficits or the things that uh, are the things you need to work on. We call them develop, development areas or often we call them our weaknesses, which is really to the heart of the issue. It's about getting the balance right and to, to know your strengths and to be able to articulate them is the, the secret to having the right balance between the two. Okay. So at work, I know when I first did my strength, I was really excited because I finally felt like I was understood and that I I had spent my life sort of trying to be better at so many things that took all the energy, just like you talk about this energy, extra energy. So if I'm talking about self-regulation, for example, or the need to really be disciplined about the way I was working over a long period of time, meant that I wasn't able to be creative or wasn't really playing to my strengths and I felt de-energised. Mm. So it's this lovely idea of actually being able to let yourself be your best um, in my mind. Where did you come across the strengths, Sally? Was it the first time that you and I met? It was, Margie. And the the course that we were doing focused on stating what your strengths are, really understanding them and being able to speak for them, which I think is a confidence issue. When I think it, it all boils down to it, often, especially women, but I'm sure men as well, just don't feel they worry too much about what people will think. And so leading with, I am really good at X, My when I'm in my flow, it is Y, those sorts of statements feel awkward to us. Um, and I think also a very Australian sort of corporate culture where we shouldn't feel we should big note ourselves. But in fact, it's really the secret. And I found that the work that we did around when are you in your flow, when does time sort of stand still and you could just do something forever was life-changing for me, both at work um, and personally. A different way of thinking about activity, of how to regulate myself. And I found my career took a whole different trajectory after that because I could tell others. I made sure my jobs aligned to it. It was really important stuff. Mm, We quest for a long time, I know, in society 
for everyone to be good at everything. So mm. if you think about school, everybody, even though you had natural st- strengths and capabilities in certain areas, everybody had to be good at everything. And mm. I know that for me, being able to recognise that I, if I'd done my HSC verbally, I would have done so much better <laughs> than I actually <laughs> did because um, my strength is about that interaction and things like that and, and owning it and not sitting with the belief that I'm no good because my capability at fractions and percentages wasn't up to scratch. Mm. So um, this strength-based approach is really, I hear you saying, about not so much about fixing your weaknesses but maximising what it is that means to have um, being at your best. That's right. And I think it's your alignment with that as well. Um, What do you mean by alignment with that? What I mean is we can tell ourselves a story, we say, I'm good at X, Y, Z, but if you don't really believe it, you don't own it, when you come under pressure, I love the the terminology Brene Brown uses in Dare to Lead around hustling for your worth. That's exactly what happens. You compare yourself with others, you under pressure when, when we're challenged, when we're not sure, um, which happens obviously a lot in business, the answer isn't obvious. It takes time and judgment. And if you're not clear about your value, what it is that you do, when that pressure comes and when the uncertainty is there, which is really the space of creativity and, and, and the innovative stuff, you go to a bad place, which is you don't back yourself. You can't step forward with confidence. And this notion of your energy is in an unproductive place rather than a really productive place, which is okay. I don't need to know all the facts, but I know I can guide us through this because systems thinking is the way I think. And, you know, I I feel confident that this is something I've done before. And I know that rather than presented with an issue thinking, why am I here? (laughs) I haven't done that before. I haven't done this before. I don't know the answer straight away. And a lot of businesses, you don't know the answer straight away. And there's the, that's the. Mm. So what is it that I bring? What value do I bring Mm. to this? What are my strengths? How can I play to those? So Mm. I I like that. I really like that idea. Strengths-based approach hasn't been around um, for a long time. I know the Stoic philosophers believed in a flourishing life and they spent a large part of their time looking at what it meant to function in a way that your life would be flourishing. And then with the advent of psychology, we also focused on sort of three areas, the very mentally unwell, the what we might call the worried well, and what it meant to flourish. And the flourishing got lost after World War One and Two, when the world was in such a stressed and and diminished uh, form, it was horrible right the way through the world. So people and psychology in particular spent so long focusing on how to mend that part. And it's only really been in the last 20 years with positive psychology that the focus has come back to this idea of what it means to flourish and at work, what it means to bring your best self or be your best at work. This has been quite challenging for many people. People have often said to me, oh, that's a bit fluffy. We need to focus on what's wrong Mm -hmm. and fix those problems. What's your experience of that shift? I think that there's many layers to it. One is there are some people who really feel uncomfortable talking about feelings, their motivation um, and anything particularly deep other than just transactional things at work. And then I think there are those who are who are more open, which um, tends to be what organisations encourage now and really value and reward, which is people who are more curious and open to learning. And I think 
both in education and, and corporate life, you know, Carol Dweck and the, this notion of a, a growth and a, and a fixed mindset is, you know, born of the, the movement that you talk about around positive psychology and this notion that it's a choice and a practice to learn to be able to be open and to see possibility rather than to identify straight away with with obstacles. Mm. And that that seems to be, well, I know it's being incorporated a lot in education. It's life-changing for kids to say, I can't do something yet versus I'm terrible at maths. That sort of language is really, really powerful. Yeah. Martin Seligman's known as the father of positive psychology. Mm. And I know the strengths-based languages that have been based out of the VIA signature strength, which is a free survey people can take um, and just um, uh, Google that VIA signature strengths. And I think there's something like 10 million people who've taken that test to date. Uh, But the um, other man that I've mentioned, Alec Lindley, defines a strength as a pre-existing way of feeling, thinking and being and something that's authentic real mm. and that I use it all the time and energising, which is the word you used earlier when we talked about it, you know, being able to recharge or go forever. What's your experience of this idea of pre-existing, authentic and energising, Sal? Have you got some examples of where that's applied for you? Mm. It's an interesting one, Margie, because sometimes the story we tell ourselves is there are certain things we're good at or that we do, but you really have to feel it. Um, and if I think about my, you know, corporate life and some of the work that I do uh, in the community, so I'm a, um, a sit on a not-for-profit board as a non-executive director for Autism Awareness Australia, and because I don't have a child with autism, people say, "Why? Why are you involved? Or what's the, you know, what's the link?" And because of the work you and I did very early on in my career, and me having an understanding of my need, <laughs> my very genuine need mm-hmm. to advocate for people. You're using your strengths all the time to achieve the things you want to keep doing um, outside of work, um, not paying you a lot of money, but the drive is around the ability to use those strengths. And so that for me means that your performance will be good and you'll be engaged in what you're doing and you're attracted to using those strengths. You want to use them. That's exactly right. So on the Saturday morning when you have a choice of what you could be doing and you know you've still got 8,000 words to write for that week, um, really tests what are the things that, you know, you have the fire in the belly about, what are the things you really want to do? And if you're not aligned with a strength, if you're not really clear on why you want to do something and what it's going to achieve, I don't I don't know where you would get the motivation. In, in fact, I'm sure you wouldn't have it. So Sally, what's the greatest challenge to aspiring leaders and aspiring to use your strength at work? I think there's a number of challenges. One is at a a personal level, so self. Uh, And as human beings, we tend, we always gravitate to the things that are in deficit. So if you get 360 degree feedback and you know there are two pages, one says, what are the things Sally does well? And the other says, what are her greatest areas for opportunity? You do it just naturally. You go straight to the areas for opportunity and you can recite them for the next maybe 15 years, word for word, what somebody (laughs) might have said. But if you were to need to go back and recount the strengths, they're harder to recall. It's just human nature. We we gravitate there. I think that is one challenge. The other is the the value an organisation plays, uh, places on... Um, not sitting just in the deficit, but really working with people on their strengths. And it's a it's a difficult thing to, 
to do sometimes because of the short-term nature of goals of corporate life. Uh, we want to, you know, fix the issue, get on and, and achieve something. Whereas research now is telling us that having a strength-based approach leads to happier, more energised, more engaged people. You know your own experience is if someone sits down and talks to you about how things have been going and how well things have been going and then you move to the areas for development, it feels much better than the, the boss that or the, any person you interact with who starts with, you know what, I think this could be really could could work better. It just doesn't set up the right dynamic, nor does it um, enable the right sorts of outcomes. So I think there's two elements to it. It's it's yourself and trying to um, move the the magnetic pull to the negative to the to start with the positive and really anchor yourself in some of those key messages, which is where your strengths lie, how other people see you as well as what resonates with you, and then the the, the structure and the values that you're working within. How can you bring that to life in a company sometimes that doesn't allow for that sort of a focus. Oh, that's fantastic. Have you got any um, real examples of what you're doing with your team or as a leader? Um, if I think for myself, for the sort of work um, that I've been doing, as I said, I, you know, the 360 feedback is a very real and live example. Um, what I did was I was lucky enough to do a tool recently that I'd done three years ago and I pulled out the old version and I, I had a long plane trip. So I sat there with the two hard copies and pulled out the common themes in the strengths in both. And I sort of made myself sit in that information for quite a long period of time before I then went through the negatives to make sure that I was anchored in that. And as I said, that's not a natural thing to do and not something that we we do. I then encourage people that I work with to do that or, or, or try to frame up any discussion around those things that are working and those strengths as a starting point. And then it's really about someone's level of awareness and buy-in to areas of development and how they can link back to strengths. And I think it's the interplay between the two, which is where the, the fun stuff happens, where people get energised and really buy into their development. Mm, so there's this idea of strength spotting that people use at work. Is that something that you use to encourage teamwork? It can be. One, something we um, are borrowing from Dare to Lead, from Brene Brown's recent book, is this notion of being able to talk to my value. Uh, so being able to articulate as someone's leader, what is what do you think the value is that, that that person brings? What do they see as their value? And then what are their values? As just a framework of building empathy, understanding, starting with the positives, using a strength, um, strength-based approach rather than saying, gee, that person's always really goes straight to the, you know, to the negatives. If we know that person really values systems and structure and data, for instance, it helps build more understanding as a good way of, of mm. interacting. So I think it's it's not just helpful for people in their own development, but for team dynamics and better communication within teams. I think it's really important as well. One of the questions a team recently asked each other that I was working with, they said, um, well, what do you do that makes you feel invigorated? Mm. And the conversation that was um, emanated from that was really fantastic. And people had ideas because they were energised. They said they felt more confident. Um, they made better decisions. Uh, it sounds like um, a bit of a overstatement, but once you've been in a room with people who start to strength spot with each other, um, allow dynamic conversations, it can, it can really, really build a high-performance team. 
Yes. Yes, I would agree with you. And it's, um, as I said, it's a practice to not orient yourself to spotting Mm. all the problems and to think of it as the easy thing to do. You know, Mm. it's very easy to pick out the issues and the things that will go wrong. It's actually the harder thing to spend more time and space in finding the strengths, um, spotting the things, the opportunities, the things that may work. And as you say, that builds its own momentum of enthusiasm, excitement. Well, I've worked with your team and so I know you as a leader, you do this incredibly well, both as a, a you know a friend and a colleague and also as a leader, you, you look to um, build others' confidence and help them away from their negativity bias. So, you're the perfect person to speak about this today. Something I'm also interested in, though, is this idea of overplay and underplay. Uh, So I have a strength of creativity, for example, and in overplay, that looks like me being quite eccentric, playing with ideas that nobody else understands. What's your experience of overplay and underplay with strengths? And how do we understand that at work? A really important learning I've had in my career of overplaying um, is in the space of advocating. Um, And you can imagine in the 90s, 2000s, and recently, gender politics and um, striving for gender equality has been something that um, has been really active and looked very different, you know, two decades ago to how it looks today. But choosing when to say something, choosing what to call out uh, is something that you can really overplay um, for effectiveness. And the classic example for me has been over the years, you know, succession planning sessions when you sit down with a group of executives as a peer and often in the early days, the only female peer and there just were no women on the list. And so straight like a magnet. So, you know, I'd ask, where are the women? Don't you know any women? And I learned over the years how to not overplay that and to be far more effective in how to bring that to life and how to actually advocate for women by asking different sorts of questions and that not being the first thing that I observed or said in a session. Mm. And But that took time and practice and feedback as well. And it was from a female leader who said, don't make that the first thing you go to because people will roll their eyes and you can overplay certain things definitely. But I know it's a strength because I know I have advocated for for lots of women and and that's Mm. been reciprocated to me in my career many times. So So an idea of volume control on your streaks, knowing if you know yourself, you can use the language and say, I need to turn down my honesty or I need to turn that up or I need to be able to manage the situation. I think Alec Lindley says the right strength at the right time to the right degree in the right situation. So it requires some effort. It's not just being yourself happily every single day. That's exactly right. Yeah, and the other thing I like to say, and I know you know this thing that I say, but we all have to clean our toilet and pay our tax. (laughs) So you can um, always play to your strengths. Probably not. I'd say if you get 60% of the time using your strengths, you should be a happy camper. Do you agree? I do. And I've really noticed that in the last two years, I've been in a a new organisation, a new role. And there's been a very strong focus on on coaching. And I've worked in many organisations where we talk about coaching and developing people, but we have allocated a, a, a decent amount of time and effort into this where it means I'm doing it a lot more. And so it really occurred to me that there's a difference between talking about doing something and doing mm. the hard work mm. and spending the time doing it because it's not an easy thing to do. But when 
when you are doing it, um, the, the level of engagement for me is just through the roof. You know, it's really strong because it means that the time is there to, to, to be in that space and to be doing that sort of work. Um, and it's not always when you feel like a strength is something you do really well. I'm learning a lot as well and it's difficult and uncomfortable because it's not as simple as I do what I love, I'm really good at it. We mm. learn, we make mistakes, it's boring, um, people don't change, you don't change, you know, and, and you have to go through all of that to actually come out the other end and have made progress and, and, and learn something. And, and to me that's that's been the real insight out of getting to play in my strengths for a sort of longer period of time. Mm, I really love that idea of um, being uncomfortable but Mm. playing to your strengths at the same time and growing and learning. Sally, are there any practical things we can think about for the strength-based approach at work? I can't understate the importance of really understanding what your strengths are at a deep level. Maggie, you did work with me years ago around the, the, the sort of the fun activity of thinking about when you're a child, what were the things that just brought you joy? You know, making a list of all those things. What were the things you lost track of time, you really loved doing as a way of kind of getting into the right space and then sitting down and thinking about, okay, over the last six months at work, what are the things that I've really been in my flow and been energised by doing and what are the things I haven't? And it is and what are the themes that come out of that? And it is surprising um, how hard that can be to do, but really getting to the, the heart of that and being able to express these are the things that I enjoy doing, these are the things that give me energy versus things that take more energy is is at the heart of it. And then not feeling self-confident about talking to it, finding the job that aligns with that, making sure you reinforce that when people ask you, what are your strengths? Why should you apply for this job? Why are you good at your role? To be able to talk to those key messages um, is not just reassures yourself and reaffirms and makes it a part of your DNA, but it then becomes a part of your brand. uh, And it's it, it is fact, it is true, um, but often, as I said, I think confidence is the biggest obstacle that stands in our way of really being able to work in a strength-based approach because we feel so self-conscious of saying, I am really good at X or I really enjoy Y because I'm good at it. Mm, and language has a huge influence on the way we see the world and ourselves and I think the strengths-based approach is um, is about language often and our language is very much around what I'm not good at and that's how we've in many ways been brought up right from the beginning um, of our schooling. Um, interestingly though, how do we learn to do this? What's the first step to discovering our strengths and and then moving from there? When you talk about language, Margie, that's really at the heart of it, to be able to practice speaking about what your strengths are, to have labels and language for it. We seem to have thousands of words and descriptions, the things that we believe we haven't done well. You just think about the number of times you you um, imagine and, and re Um, hash a conversation or something that didn't go well in your mind. And then you think about the number of times you play something that went well in your mind. And that's really at the heart of high performance. As you know, the best sports people, the best performers in corporate life, imagine how they will look, feel and think about something that goes well. And they imagine and they imagine it, uh, you know, over and over again until that's what actually plays out. Whereas what we're talking about is being in the space of we spend time in the deficit, we spend time thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Gee, it was 
wasn't helpful when I said X, but it's getting the practice right and the language, as you say, and um, being very conscious of trying to force ourselves back into the space of the the strength um, is is the the way home. That is the path to high performance. That is the path to being happier. I encourage people to take the VIA Signature Strength Survey, which is free online, uh, with family members. Mm. Um, have the conversation. Yes. When are you at your best? Yes. Uh, it's an extraordinary conversation starter with a new partner, with an existing partner, yep. with your team, with your leader, um, with people that you have to work with. What does it look like? When are you at your best? Yes. And I, I, I think that that's a great way to begin rather than I'm no good at this, so um, uh, let's watch out for Indeed. that thing that I might do wrong. And Margie, I think you would connect with this notion of people often say my work self or my home self. I think that's just rubbish. Mm-hmm. I don't think there are such things. I think we, we have to bring different elements of ourself to life at work. Um, sometimes I think my best energy <laughs> is spent at work and my family probably gets, you know, the, the bad end of the stick. But there is no difference between this, what my work self is and what my home life is. Relationships, the way we think about ourselves, it, it all comes together, you know, as one. So the three things that we've been talking about today and really know yourself through your strengths, get the language and then understand yourself so you can leverage these strengths and leverage these strengths for better performance. And finally, engage in strength spotting with others to build the energy and the momentum of those around you. Remember, make good choices about your strengths and where and how you use them. Sal, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Margie. Fast Track is produced in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the app or search Fast Track Career Conversations Podcast.